Welcome to the Mindset Unleashed Today podcast. My name is Tommy Gucciato, and I'm excited to share my insights and experiences with you to help you shift your mindset and improve your life. Now, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be exploring different areas of life, discussing how to make positive changes. Now, I'll be doing this by interviewing guests who can provide additional perspectives and their experiences. I believe that by making a mindset shift, we can all unleash our full potential and create the lives we want to live. I hope you'll join me on this journey. All right. How you doing, everybody? I want to welcome you back to the Mindset Unleashed Today podcast, where we focus on the power of the mind and how it changes lives on a daily basis. Now, today I got a phenomenal guest here. She not only is a entrepreneur, um, she's a, going for a doctorate in leadership right now. She was in the military and she's just a phenomenal person with a great mindset. And I want to introduce you to Eliza. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. So why don't you give us a little bit of your background, uh, how you got to where you are right now? Well, in the entrepreneur space, um, I got here because I sort of went back to my roots. <laughs> so I, I always had really this entrepreneurial spirit. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I came from a background that, you know, my a single mom, um, you know, very sort of traditional type of poverty story. Mm -hmm. um, so in trying to sort of get myself out of survival mode in life, I went a very traditional path after trying to explore entrepreneurship and music and a few different avenues. Um, so I made a very hard decision um, and hard in both ways, as in like hard as in steady, but then hard as in also difficult okay. <laughs> um, to just transition my life to the military. So I did four years in college. And then when I had graduated, I said, am I going to continue to pursue sort of these creative spaces and this entrepreneur mm -hmm. space, or am I going to just try to go get some money? Right. Um, so I joined the military and that made me have to leave everything behind okay. because of just the structure. Right. Um, and I did 10 years in the military and I also was in the uh, security and law enforcement space. So my last job that I sort of departed from, um, I was the director of policy for a major transportation agency. Oh, wow. Cool. Um, so I wrote all the policy for the uh, police security and safety department. And then in the military, I was a military police officer. Okay. All right. So what brought you to like, where, how did the military come into, into effect? Like what made you decide I want to go into the military? So I've always sort of been a very make sense kind of person. Okay. So my bachelor's degree was in criminal justice. And even though I didn't necessarily have anything that pushed me in that direction, mm -hmm. I'm going to be completely honest with you. The driver was that I wasn't great at math. <laughs> um, funny enough, because now all I do is math. <laughs> um, but once I made that decision, it sort of was like, okay, how am I going to make sense of this? Right. And also it was right when we were coming out of the recession. Okay. So it was like, great, you have this degree and you go and get a job and everyone's like, where's the experience? Right. <laughs> so I was like, I will strengthen my resume by joining the military. And something that I've sort of always been really good at is being intentional um, and making a plan that, like I said, made sense. Right. So when I had went to the military, a lot of people have the experience where when they go to MEPS, which is their uh, military entrance processing center, right? And they say, take this test, you get your scores, and whatever the jobs are available for that day, you pick a job, and that's what you end up doing. Right. And unfortunately for some people, because they don't really know the ins and outs of what the roles are and also what transferable skills, right? So like, for example, somebody goes into infantry, what are you going to transfer that skill? Right. Into There's really nothing. In, right. Gotcha. So I was very intentional and I went to the recruiter and I also was a little older, right? Being 23, it seems older in the military, but it's 18, 17. Right. So I'm like, I'm going to take this test. 
and this is the job that I'm going to take, and this is the job you're going to give me, or I'm not going to sign this contract. Right. <laughs> All right, so that makes and sense. And that's basically what happened. No, that's great. And, and you know, the, the one thing about the military is definitely intentional, right? Yes. And definitely, it had to help after when you became an entrepreneur, right? Keep you regimented to keep you on point and keep right. you straight, right? Right. So what was the, the biggest takeaway that you got from, like, the military? How did it help you going forward? The military... It was probably one of the best and most challenging experiences in my life. Um, I, I want to say best because, one, it got me from in a place that was financially secure. Mm -hmm. uh, it gave me a tremendous amount of leadership experience. Right. I went to many different countries and lived in many different countries and, and have met people and worked with people in different cultures. Um, also, those that I've worked amongst, right, are also from all parts of the nation. Right. I had this guy that I worked with. He was from Kansas. He had one stoplight in his city. And he told me, i never seen a black Puerto Rican gay girl before. Right? <laughs> but me and him became like this. Right. Because I exposed him to something that he had never saw. And he taught me many things, too. Right. Right. So that experience just, I think, really made me more well-rounded. Right. And I think it's really the reason why I'm able to connect and resonate with so many people now, especially in entrepreneur space. That's phenomenal. Because, you know, like just to be able to, you know, reach out to people and have some sort of commonality where you could, you know, bond over something. Right. right. Like you said, like he's from Kansas City with one stoplight. And right. He, met somebody you never met before and now you you know you become friends and you you're moving forward and that's very helpful you know yeah. that, that's helpful and, and definitely in the entrepreneur space and I know we were talking before that you have uh, a cannabis business that you're you're getting started and yeah. it's gonna when in the summer it's gonna come together we're hoping anytime between 420 and the beginning of the oh, summer 420 you picked a good day that for would it, be a right? nice one. <laughs> <laughs> so how what kind of challenge was that to get that up and running? So that that's an extremely challenging business. It's highly regulated. Right. Um, it's very costly to start up. Mm -hmm. Easily, one million in in up, um, depending on what kind of cannabis business. So there's also layers to the types. Right. There's a retail facility. There's a cultivation facility, right. which is who grows it. Right. Um, there's delivery companies. So depending on which avenue you go is going to depend on how much it costs. But for, no matter how you slice the pie, it's very expensive. Right. Um, there's a lot of zoning restrictions in different cities. Right. Because commercial areas or not, they call them green zones. Right. They don't necessarily want cannabis businesses. Um, and the other part of it is that in any business that you start, but cannabis in particular, it's really difficult for people of color to raise money um, and find capital. Right. And because cannabis is federally illegal, folks cannot get traditional funding through banks. And even some VCs won't take any shot on you. Really? Yeah. And the other part about it is that because it's federally legal, there's a tax code called 280E. It's a code that was created for the mafia for illegal earnings so that the government can take money off of their illegal earnings. Wow. So I, I learned something new to that. <laughs> we have to abide by that because the states may say that it's accepted. And the state also gets their money, right? They have a, a tax. Right. A local municipality gets a tax. But the feds don't get a tax because it's illegal. Right. So they make it so that you do get taxed by working around in this code. But unfortunately, the code requires that um, you cannot have any business deductions. So in a traditional business where you would write off a tremendous amount of things. There's no write-offs, yeah. Zero. Right. You pay the highest rate in taxes. 
You can't get a bank account because banks are backed by the FDIC and a, a lot of other regulatory um, agencies. So they don't want to risk their relationship with the feds. So they won't give you a bank account. So a lot of cannabis businesses are either working with local banks like like a valley or, you know, something that's like local to the state uh -huh. or they're just cash businesses, which right. are very dangerous. Right. So it's tough. <laughs> wow. So you not only pick like the hardest business, but this like seems impossible to even get it off the ground, but yet you're doing it. So that shows a lot of resilience right there, you know, you. and you have a, you know, I mean, I, I wouldn't even know where to start with something like that. That's phenomenal that, that you Thank actually you. have the, the bandwidth to do that, you know? And so you, you, you made a comment before about like venture capitalists won't touch you or, you know, so how did you go about getting the money? What was the best way to do that? So <clears throat> again, back to intentionality, right? I, um, I felt like this is an opportunity to really support black and brown communities. Right. I am African-American and Latina. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, I felt like, well, I mean, it's not really for me. It's really it's really the stats, right? The war on drugs has impacted black and brown communities right. the most. So this is the best way for there to be some sort of restitution, some sort of way to support black and brown people mm -hmm. with generational wealth. And I, I felt like, it could go beyond me. As an owner, maybe I'm going to make great money and I have some partners and everybody's going to do very well. But how much further could I really have this endeavor go if I only fundraise from black and brown investors right. and empowered them with equity in the company that's going to help them build wealth, give to their kids? Right. I just was trying to be creative on how far I can make this happen. That's phenomenal. Um, so we were able to raise $1.1 million of just black and brown investors. That's great. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. It was probably one of the most challenging things that I ever did because, you know, you have to not just convince people, um, but in our community, we also are not very savvy with investing. Right. It's a concept that's very new because we just didn't have money to do so before. So and I'm sure there's like a trust money. issue too, right? Well, there's that too. Leaving giving my money to somebody, you of know, course. they have to make sure that you're doing the right thing. And and I'm sure you know, you you know, you have other endeavors also. So people see you growing, right. and they want to be part of that, right? And I know you have another a wellness facility. Yeah. So how did that come about? So sweat is, um, it's a, we have infrared, so it's all encompassing well, wellness facility. We have yoga, um, infrared sauna. One of our niches is that they're in private suites, uh -huh. so you don't share them with anyone, okay. um, which is how we got really popular, especially after COVID. Okay. We have a salt cave. Um, so we have a couple of different healing and holistic wellness avenues for people um, okay. to take, right? And I started that really as a brand in 2015. Um, it was a clothing line, mm -hmm. for, for like a fitness clothing line. Okay. And then as we grew and as we started to, you know, try to develop it into a brick and mortar, um, that's what we did. So we opened it in 2018. It's been pretty popular. We have two locations now um, and most recently just developed it actually into a franchise. Okay. So right now we have a couple of franchisees that are in the process. Beautiful. And the goal is to hopefully uh, the branding for the dispensary and the wellness facility are closely tied. So there's sweat, and then the cannabis dispensary is called the other side. Okay. So it really represents a, a couple of things. It represents the other side of my life, right, and, and what I'm doing, and really just going back to my authentic self, not having a uniform on every day, right. being able to just show up as me. Um, but then also the other side of sweat, right? So there's a ton of different wellness alternatives 
alternatives, and right. then there's alternative medicine that could also support you all as right, well. There you go. All right, so that's the idea. So you tie everything all in. Yeah, for sure. And you know, I'm, th I'm just sitting here thinking about it. You know, you're, you're starting an endeavor like a cannabis business, which probably takes most of your time. You have a business that you're running, right? A brick and mortar business. And then how do you fit in going to school? I mean, that just bothers my <laughs> mind right there. So... I, and I, I'm sorry it's to stop you, one. but I have a tough time finding the time to brush my teeth in the morning, you know, <laughs> and you're doing all this. It's crazy. It's amazing. So I am at the point now where all I'm doing is writing. Um, okay. So writing the dissertation is, is just really you making sure that you put your time in. Right? right. I don't have any coursework. I went to a pretty through a pretty intense program as an executive level program. Okay. So you had to have a certain amount of experience to get in. Mm -hmm. So it was a condensed um, it was a condensed doctorate. So I did it in three years. Oh, gosh. Um, so I don't have any more coursework. I'm right. just writing, but I mean, really to answer a question of just like time management, right? I am very, very, uh, time management oriented. Okay. I write every single thing down. I live my life on a very, very strict schedule. However, I offer myself grace. Okay. So if there's something that's there that maybe I don't get to, I turn it over to another day where I find another time right. to get to it. So you're um, flexible with your day. I try to be, but I prioritize everything. Um, and yeah, I'm just I'm just very very efficient. So, let's talk about the military for a second. So, when you went to the military, were you that time? I'm I'm sure the military helped you mm -hmm. to be more time oriented and time management. Was that when you were growing up? Were you like that, or that was always part of your DNA? Yeah, it's part of my DNA. Right. I've been using an agenda probably since I was in eighth grade. Yeah, <laughs> but the military obviously that enhanced put, that. Right. Yeah, for sure. You know, I always, I always like go back to, and I've shared this a couple of times, like, you know, and, and it's about time management and goals, right? Like, and maybe you could attest to this, like just getting up in the morning and making your bed, you already created a task, right? Yep. <laughs> like you woke up, you didn't hit that snooze button, you created a task already. And like, I always, you know, I hear people talking about that all the time. And now you have two things done during the day. Yeah. So it helps you on your day. So the military, you know. Yeah. There's something to it there. They there got the, is. They got the right mindset for that. <laughs> you know? So, all right. So now you're going to do, you know, you have this facility, you have this other business. What is the the doctor? How's that going to help you? Well, the doctorate sort of was just looped in the mix. Right. Um, I will say that that actually didn't have a tremendous amount of intention. Right. I was just trying to get a check. Okay. I got paid to go to school because I had a GI bill. All right. And I made a deal with my wife. All right. I was going to go to law school. I was going to go get a JD. Okay. Um, I'm pretty good at arguing, so I felt like it would be easier. <laughs> and the backstory is that, you know, when you serve in the military, you, you get your GI Bill, right? right? So I did 10 years, so obviously I was eligible for it. And when I had gotten out, um, my wife works in higher ed. Okay. So a lot of times, you know, their spouse can help them go to school and right. such. And then, you know, my, I, well, we have children, so they'll be able to go to school. So I'm like, you know, a lot of military people, they give their GI bill to their kid if they've already used it. I'm in a position where I may not need that. So this is all this money that was just sitting there and I love to learn. Right. So I was like, okay, so I'm basically just going to go get myself another job. Right. That, that's what it is. Right. That's all it is. Right. <laughs> just adding to your debt. Exactly. You know, they gave me a stipend. I felt like it was a job. So every time I had to do something, I was like, all right, I'm writing this paper. I'm going to work. Okay. That's a way to look at it. <laughs> that's that's how I looked at it. But I, I think what ended up happening is um, and you know, I, I have I have a partner, he calls me stars and moon, because I'm very, <laughs> you know, 
with the universe. And I, I do believe that, you know, there, there's a lot of alignment that sort of happens and, and the universe tells you the direction that they want you to go in. Right. And when I did get into my doctorate, I started my study on something completely different. Okay. Um, I do some real estate on the side and that's actually how I had started some of my business. Wait, now you do real estate too? Well, that's how, <laughs> that's how I started the, that's how I started funding the business. Okay. I yeah. Gotcha. So All I have right. a GC license and right. I do some like house flipping and stuff. All right. That's not something that's like really a business right. that I, like have staff and then I put people in, but just like a, our personal endeavors with my family. Right. Um, and, and yeah, I mean that I just was studying something that was more tied to real estate and it wasn't true to me. Right. And then one time I, I remember I went into, uh, my mentor's office and the facility that I worked mm -hmm. in, um, at the, the transportation agency. And I was like, I can't do this. Like this is first off a doctoral program. Um, is such a foreign thing, especially to a lot of people of color. And mm -hmm. I know I keep hitting on that, but the reality is that we haven't been exposed in so many spaces that these are, you know, these are some of the deficiencies that we end up being right, faced with. Right. So I went in the program thinking, oh, it's just like a master's. You just go to school, do your classwork. And it was so much more intense. Right. And I was like, I, I just don't think that I can actually do this. And I'm a person that thinks I could do pretty much anything. So she was like, Eliza, you're made for this. We need more women in this space, like maybe pivot. And I started to explore. And that's around the time that I started to actually get into therapy and like go back and source some of my trauma and right. do some healing. And I started to resonate with a different topic. Okay. And once I connected with that topic, it was like off to the races. And now I'm in a space where it's like, this is, I needed to transition here because now Look at what happened to President Gay at Harvard. Okay. Look at what happened to all, like the police chief at New York City who stepped down. Like all these women in leadership, they may get, first off, a lot of them don't even get there, but when they do, they always leave. Right. Why do they leave? Why don't they feel like these are spaces that they can occupy? Right. So now this doctorate is going to give me the ability um, to not only continue those studies and, and be a voice and champion for that sort of work right. on a scientific level, right? Because no one believes things that people just say are their opinion. Right. <laughs> so now I can argue scientifically. Okay, there you go. Right? And be able to really push the envelope forward for women in leadership in all spaces. Gotcha. No, it makes a lot of sense. I just, I mean, you just boggle my mind is how you, that's great that you could do all that stuff, you know, and that, that's helpful. And, and you're giving back also, because part of it is like you said, for your community, right. right? So you're teaching them how to be entrepreneurs, teaching them how to see something that they're not normally looking at. And that's phenomenal. So how do you, like, if you had any sort of advice for like a young entrepreneur, a young woman, how's that? What would you give them? I would say that. You have to really, really start to be strategic. Um, I think a lot of times we just kind of like go with the flow or take any opportunity that falls on your lap. Like there's mm -hmm. a lot of opportunities that come to me that I say no to. Right. But back in the day, I probably used to say yes to everything. Right. Um, so it's definitely about being very intentional. And I and I, I know this is a little left, but I feel like if people really do that, um, that sort of healing work, that deep work very early, then they can start to understand, understand themselves better. Right. And once they understand themselves, like when people talk about purpose and not being able to find their purpose, I feel like when you can understand yourself better and have better self-awareness and also all of the things that healing will help you do, right? Your reactiveness, triggers, how mm -hmm. you respond to people. If you can nail those things down earlier, then it's going to be very easy for you to get clarity faster. Right. 
Yeah, because that's once you find your purpose, I mean, things just open up and things become natural. Then. So easy, you know, and that's I think people they force too much yeah. nowadays, you know, they want something, but they don't want to put the work in and they don't want to learn about themselves. And that you hit the nail right on the head. Yeah. You know, if you could find out about yourself, what makes you tick and what makes your triggers, mm -hmm. because, you know, like. Otherwise, you're going to keep a, it's a definition of insanity, right? Yes. Repeating the same thing over and over and looking for different results. And if you don't change who you are, nothing's going to change. Yep, exactly. You know? And that's phenomenal that, you know, you could think like that, you know, and that's, um, you know, it's a blessing to have people like you out there that are willing to give back, you know, and, you know, it's just, it's just a good thing. You, you, you have a good energy, you have a good vibe and, um, you know. I was just thinking, like, you know, the whole military thing. It's like, and I, I don't, I want to get off topic, but it had to be tough for you, you know, being a woman and being a woman of color just to to fit into the military. Like, how did yeah. you how did you overcome that? Yeah, navigating that space was very interesting. Um, it's a boys' club, right? Right. It's definitely a boys' club, and. I don't, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's, it's a tough one because I, I just feel like I'm, I'm sort of just like a little tough. Right. So I, I have skin that can go through what I went through. Right. Um, but it's not for everybody. Right. It's not for everybody. It got me where I needed to be. And I, I think that it was genuinely part of my path. Right. Um, but you know, for those that are, you know, going for educational reasons, or we make a lot of sacrifice, of right? Of course. You're not to, with your family, right? You're away. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, not 10 out of 10. Wouldn't recommend. Right. <laughs> well, it got you the way you, you needed to be, right? In yeah. your life. Yeah. It taught you something. It yeah. got you where yeah. way you are right now. Yeah. And then, you know, you just take yeah. it from there, right? Because I'll say this. I'll say this, right? When you already come sort of from um, an intense trauma type of upbringing, and then you never unpack that, and then you go into another trauma space, <laughs> you come out with a lot that you gotta do, right? right? Um, and then we are always taught to um, carp, carp, I can't even speak. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? I know what you're trying to Keep say. Keep it in. <laughs> right. um, in those spaces, right, where we are, are in um, war zones, right? Right there. So you have to be very straight, very rigid. Exactly. And, and it's, it's tough to really like sit and think and feel and process and all of the things that are really, really necessary for people to make wise decisions. Right. I think that's one of the challenges that I see, like why so many people have, um, a life that they're not very pleased with is poor decision-making. You think? Right? Sometimes it's, <laughs> sometimes it's not even like what their background is or what their experience is. It's just like they are making poor decisions. I try to tell my kids that all the time. I said, listen, you could make mistakes, but it's the decisions that you make that affect the rest of your life. Right. Right. You know, you don't even really, you know, that instant gratification or that, that oh, I'm just going to do this now. Right. It could affect you down the road. Right. So, you know, decision-making is very important. Yeah. Like, I'm the king of making bad decisions. You know, I've made so many bad decisions, but... You learned. I learned from them. And go. that's the key. Yeah. You know, it's like, all right, you can make a bad decision, you can make a poor choice, but what do you get out of that poor right. choice? And that's the important part of right. it. You know, do you learn, do you get better, and do not make that mistake again. Exactly. You know, and, and if you could try to do that, I think you're halfway there. Yeah, I agree. You know?
But it was great having you. Thank um, you. Why don't you tell everybody how to find you and find your cannabis company and your, your healing company, uh, yeah. your, your wellness, wellness company? Yeah, for sure. Um, so follow us, uh, sweat.wellness. Sweat is spelled with a three, and that stands for mind, body, and soul. Uh, and then there's TOSS. TOSS stands for the other side dispensary. Um, and that is TOSD uh, underscore underscore worldwide. And then you could follow me. My Instagram is beast.rod. I like that. Beast Rod. Yeah. <laughs> so my last name is Berard Rodriguez. But, right. uh, you know, we threw the B in there. I like and, it. You know, it's all right. I love uh, I love a beast. All right. I love anybody who pulls their inner beast out and does something productive with it in the world. So. All right. Well, I hope to, hopefully everything works out for you. Thank you. Congratulations on everything. And thanks for coming down. Thank you. I appreciate you having me.